Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of Wheel of Horror, the podcast where two best friends spin a wheel once a week, it chooses the movie, and they discuss it. Today we're talking about the 1990 film Edward Scissorhands, which was directed by Tim Burton. I'm your co-host Alec. I'm Eric, and with us is a very spooky guest, Joe Testa. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. I hope I'm not too spooky, but uh, it's good to be back. I know, it's so funny. You do that with everybody, Eric. It's like, we have a spooky guest. <laughs> yeah, and then when we do the Christmas ones, I'll be like, we have a Christmassy guest. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, welcome back, Joe. You were with us for the Night of the Living Dead episode during our October fest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with the holidays approaching, I always thought of this as a holiday movie, and I'm glad to see it was included on your holiday wheel, because a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, opinions out there what qualifies as a christmas movie what doesn't i always thought of this as a christmas movie yeah absolutely i it's on freeform you know mm-hmm. you go on, freeform, you'll see it on, <laughs> on there man um that and nightmare before christmas like throughout the month of like november into december this has that hint of christmas for sure mm-hmm. the whole last third of the movie is just about the christmas party and then all the christmasy stuff so it takes takes place in what california or florida from what based off of california right yeah i think um you know burton grew up in like i think it was the pasadena area so that's what it's inspired by but i'm pretty sure it was shot in florida okay yeah because it definitely had like that like climate feel to it like a warm climate but mm-hmm. yeah it definitely has that christmas vibe especially at the end but joe is this was this something that you loved as like a kid are you a huge tim burton fan like what what got you into this one well, I'm probably going to date myself, but I saw this in theaters, I think like three times. No way. Yeah. So 90, I was about seven then. And the way people maybe 10 years older than me kind of wax poetic about seeing those early Spielberg movies in theaters, you know, that's yeah. kind of how I feel about the early Burton movies, you know, like mm. my Raiders of the Lost Ark was Batman, you know, yep. And uh, and this Edward was like my ET. That's so cool the way you just put that uh, in perspective like that. Like yeah. yeah. And Alec told me he's like, hey Joe wants to do Edward Scissorhands. I'm like damn man that's another good one. Like, <laughs> I like his picks. Like and in your background Joe for you know people obviously they can't see it but you've got that awesome Batman stocking. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm glad you noticed that. Yeah, this this is like peak Tim Burton years when you got just Beetlejuice and uh, obviously Batman and then Pee Wee and then this and 
Yeah. What do, you, do Batman right after this again? Batman Returns? Ba- Batman was right before this. And then I know you guys were talking about um, how he didn't direct A Nightmare Before C- Christmas. And I think that was because he was directing Batman Returns at the time. Yeah. Ah, okay. Which was like yeah. definitely a more involved, busy film, it felt, it looks like, mm-hmm. right? There's a lot in that movie, too, Batman yeah. Returns. But we don't have yeah. to get into that one. We're sticking with Edward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Ed Wood is also one of my favorites. Tim Burton, he's one of those directors that, same thing, yeah, as you said with the Spielberg, he's got a vibe, mm-hmm. like, immediately you start watching his movies. Right from the start, the uh, opening credits reminded me so much of Sweeney Todd. Mm-hmm. Just, and obviously his set design with the gothic feel and just the colors and all that stuff. It's a very Tim Burton movie. But I want to ask you, Joe, then, do you, I can't really think of, except for Sweeney Todd, I can't really think of a Burton film after Sleepy Hollow that I really like. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I mean, I feel like I feel like all creative people in general, especially directors, have a life expectancy, kind of a period where they're just firing on all cylinders. And then, you know, it, it just like sort of creative, peters out. Like a creative, like, you know, yeah. they went through creative menopause and it's done. Yeah. over. I think it usually, <laughs> you know, there's something to be said for being young and hungry and having something to prove, you know? And, and then, yeah, I mean, no one stays on top forever, but like you said, I feel like this period, he was really just hitting it off. Yeah. yeah. Just all, all good movies and well-respected mm-hmm. too, like right after Batman. Yeah. So original. It's just so It's like a Frankenstein, but such an updated modern weird commercial take on it i love it i love this movie it's a teenage frankenstein that's why it's cool you yeah know, it's like teenagers in high school and it's kind of got like a you know youth to it yeah it's it's got a 90s angst that yeah uh, exactly <laughs> very specific to that decade you were talking about opening credits and and music i think you can't talk about timber and without talking about danny elfman oh, that's yeah. one of the all-time great partnerships you know going back to spielberg that to me it's it's up there with spielberg and john williams you know you i can't imagine one without the other and um i feel like opening credit sequences have kind of disappeared from movies uh probably not all of them but a lot of them i feel like there's just this thought that people don't have the uh i guess uh, attention span for them or something but uh i feel like the early bird movie just get you into the spirit of it you know the, the batman march and batman's fantastic oh, so great yeah. and and even and edward um the music for edward's one of my favorites still yeah, yeah. well the opening credits too i want to even mention Wee's big adventure that opening mm-hmm. scene is just oh my God. <laughs> i love it though because it's real it's like a game of yeah. math trap that they actually captured it's so yeah. good and this is is like that too but yeah, you're right. Even Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, that kind of has that like weird opening and mm-hmm. um, and that uh, Sweeney Todd with all the blood filling everything. Yeah. And yeah, he's, yeah, he definitely has his vibe. Mm-hmm. But there's the one thing I really wanted to get into was the plot. And I, I don't think I've seen this movie probably since high school, but this, this is just a lot of miscommunication, the whole movie. It's kind of like he doesn't really do anything wrong. And I feel like Winona Ryder, her character could kind of like fix all of these problems for him. <laughs> Like, I'm watching yeah. and I'm like, all she has to do is sit down and be like, all right, mom, dad, listen, we have to have a real talk right now. It wasn't Edward's fault. <laughs> yeah, it it kind of goes from, like, Frankenstein to, like, Lenny from Mice and Men, where it's like, he becomes the, the other character. And Lenny's, and like, he doesn't know his own strength. He doesn't know he's cutting people up and stuff. And 
Right. So it's it's Frankenstein more than that, but it's Hunchback and Notre. You know, it's it's a lot of movies all all in one. I think. Yeah. If you asked me going into this movie when I was like seven years old, if you asked me what my favorite movie of all time was, I would have said King Kong. And I see a lot of King Kong in this movie, the original King Kong. Oh, yeah. That was it's still one of my favorites. And if you think about that movie, you know, it's this creature that gets brought to a another land that he doesn't belong and falls in love with a blonde girl and way more down. Way more yeah, totally, totally. But yeah, I, I think that's one of the many things that appeal to me about uh, this movie is it's like a love letter to monster movies in a lot of ways. Well, yeah. it, correct me if I'm wrong, but is there a scene in King Kong where Kong sees the, the blonde woman go with like a human man and then freaks out? There is a similar scene, yes, okay. where uh, some photographers are, are taking pictures of her and, and they're being a little rough and uh, Kong has enough of that. Yeah, yeah. and then they also uh, frame King Kong um, for B&E and uh, armed a robbery. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Sure. That with, with Kong. That, yeah, that was in the, one of the deleted scenes, I think. Gotta, gotta bring it back for one second, because you mentioned Danny Elfman deserves mm-hmm. so much kudos. I read a lot of uh, trivia on this. I don't want to turn this into a stupid trivia podcast, but sometimes some things need to be said. Uh, do you know, I don't know if they wanted him over Danny Elfman, or this was before Danny Elfman became Tim Burton's Harrison Ford to George Lucas, you know what I mean? He wanted Robert Smith of The Cure to write the soundtrack, from what I was reading. Mm. And, you know, he also inspired uh, Depp's hair right. after Robert Smith. So I, I was like, oh, that could have been a totally less uh, magical movie, I think. It would be more Teenage Angst if, if that was the movie. Yeah, totally. I have heard that now that you mention it. And yeah, wow, what a different movie it would be. Yeah, and, and there's definitely a strong resemblance. When When I see Edward, I always think of Tim Burton himself, just like a really extreme version of Tim Burton. And I feel like this whole movie feels like it's kind of um, autobiographical in a certain way. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the short film he did when he worked for Disney. Um, yeah. It was called Vincent. Have you ever oh, seen that? No, never mind. I think I say Frank and Weenie. <laughs> oh, good, good. he did both of those at, around the same time, I think. But uh, Vincent is a short stop motion animated film about just kind of growing up a misfit and being obsessed with Vincent Price, who we're probably going to talk about. Yeah, I'd love to talk about him. But it's on YouTube, and if you're a Burton fan, I, I definitely recommend it. You want to talk to Vincent Price now? I mean, like, yeah, he, this was his swan song. This was his f- finale movie. He was very sick filming it. That's why he doesn't have a big role. I'm sure if he was healthier, he'd be in it a lot more. Huge horror icon. One of the last to be with like alive that worked with Boris Karloff, stuff like that, you know. So yeah, yeah. I I probably didn't know who he was when I uh, first saw this movie, but I come from a, a movie loving family. I'm sure my mom told me who he was, and she grew up watching monster movies with my uncle. I'm sure they told me all about him. And not too long after this, I started catching up on some of his catalog and. I remember Tim Burton hosted an episode of, do you guys remember TNT Monster Vision? They would just play monster movies and yeah. and there would be a host. Yeah, Tim Burton hosted a screening of House of Wax, which is my favorite uh, yeah, yeah. press movie. Yeah, he was always spoofed in like The Simpsons and like Saturday Night Live spoofed him a lot. So I think mm-hmm. that's kind of how I figured out who he was. 
And then I always actually thought in Fright Night, the Peter Vincent, I always <laughs> thought that was actually Vincent Price when I was a kid. I was like, oh, okay. Like, okay, that's who he is. He's also known for The Fly. He's like one of the, the main people in The Fly. Mm-hmm. That's his other big, like more newer movie, I guess. He looked old. And yeah, he was fighting, I think, Amphizema uh, or some other things too. He was really not well filming this movie. And I'm sure it was a, a dream come true for Bert. And once you watch the uh, the Vincent short film, <laughs> you can really see that he idolized the guy. Oh, yeah. Also, Alec Thriller, Michael Jackson's Thriller. He's the mm-hmm. famous laugh at the end. Oh, oh no, he's probably he's, he's probably the whole opening monologue. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He has the like the famous cackle, you know. Right. Him. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah, dude. No, he's he's amazing. He's like uh, I don't know, not like a male Elvira, but. I mean, <laughs> not, not off, really. I mean, not. Nah, nah. He's more goofy. But the set design in this, I think that's that's why I love the earlier Burton movies because it's so reliant, not obviously on CGI or anything like that, but just so much beautiful set design and the characters. Oh, really quick before I forget, I feel like Edward Scissorhands is like the sensitive Cenobite that like got rejected. Like he's because no. doesn't he look like like a Cenobite kind of? Yeah, that's a that's I've never heard that before, but that's a. Uh... That's a good point. Yeah, I I always thought maybe my initial attraction to him was the the Freddy Krueger hands because mm. I was uh, I was probably Freddy Krueger for Halloween the, the Halloween before this I, came out. I was the Freddy Krueger for Halloween. <laughs> it went horribly. Dude. Taking that glove on and off, getting candy was a nightmare. <laughs> but yeah, the, Edward would be right at home next to Pinhead. That's that's a good call, Alec. Yeah, I just I love the uh, the costume or whatever. It looks like leathery, like like a Cenobite. But yeah, the um the set design, like the castle, was so good on the inside. And that that staircase that she walks up right in the beginning, that stone. I was looking. I was really trying to look. I was like, man, I wonder if it shakes because it's not made out of anything like solid. But I'm like, no, that is that looks like solid stone. And she's running up it, just blown away by the set in this movie. This is probably the first example of a movie where going in, I knew the guy who made it made other movies that I like, you know, I'm sure in the trailers, it said from the director of Batman, you know? So I would have, um, I want to see more of what this guy does because it (laughs) reminds me of the other things that I like. I guess like the deeper meaning of this movie, and I I haven't seen this in so long. And if you guys have seen it way more, I'm curious to see your thoughts, but difficulty of being a salesman, right? No, no. I I thought you were going to say that. It's the, there's that one scene where all the cars come out and all the houses are just that pastel boring color it just it feels like almost like the opening of weeds i don't know if you guys know that intro to that show but it's like all those cars coming out at the same time anyways the whole point is is like they're all the same they're all these just like cookie cutter people and then there's such something so weird that's so close to them and then he infiltrates and they become obsessed and curious and then they partake in it and it's almost like I imagined it was like Tim Burton saying like we're all like sheep and then one odd person who's so close to us can show us the way because they all become they're like oh I love the way you cut hair I love the way you'd cut bushes and they wouldn't have never thought of that if there wasn't this freak that was living amongst them basically yeah and all the rumors that went around and stuff that taunted his uh Edward's reputation I mean, he was new but then you know he was a robber and then he was a rapist and then he hurt little kids and then you yeah. know yeah. What do you think, Joe? I mean, do you think there's like a bigger meaning to this? I think a common theme in a lot of Burton's movies is to beware of the people who think of themselves as normal. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. At least the people who perceive themselves as normal, those are the ones you have to worry about. <laughs> Not the guy with blades for fingers. Yeah, like think think before you get your pitchfork. That too. You know, cool. same thing with Frankenstein. It's at the end of the movie, they're all the whole town's ready to go burn down the mansion. Well, Edward's got nothing to hide. I mean, he's wearing his scissors on his sleeves. I mean, he really <laughs> he's not aware of himself. He's not aware of society. So it's like he genuinely is just who he is. He's good at those scissors, and at the same time, he's not. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's not used to being around people. I'm sure if he's around people longer, he'll be better with the scissors, but yeah. I think that is played into like oh i'm not used to hugging people with scissor hands no but i can i can cut and pick locks and do everything else pretty much except eat dinner too which i guess he doesn't do how how old is edward see this is the thing (laughs) when you watch this movie you have to just kind of accept the fairy tale of it and if you start asking yourself questions like that or like how does he go to the bathroom or things (laughs) like like it's just um you're gonna have a hard time with this movie. Oh, for, for sure. <laughs> but I'm just wondering: is this like is it was his inventor in his castle from like a hundred years ago, or is it just mm. it's only been a year since his creator passed? Well, he yeah. hasn't age at the end either. I mean, Winona Ryder's character's like in her 80s, and Edward's still there, and he looks the same. Yeah, that's my that was my one question. Like, I love I, I love this movie. I'm just like, I wonder how long it's been since the inventor died. It has he because he doesn't age. So it could have been hundreds of years. We don't, it doesn't answer that. I don't, I don't know. But the machinery is like, it's got to be kind of recent. Maybe I feel like it's a hundred years ago. Well, he's teaching him like etiquette, like tea etiquette and stuff that feels like, I don't know, like 1800s almost. Yeah. Huh. I also like that he didn't, he wasn't like completely built from scratch. You know, it shows that scene of them, of Edward cutting the lettuce. And then it cuts to like a, 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 like a robot on an assembly line doing that. And then, oh, it's like, that's Edward, that assembly line robot. And he's having memories of cutting the lettuce, you know? And it's, it's like, that's kind of cool. Yeah, It's almost like it takes place in two different worlds. Like, there's the castle world, which is this Vincent Price, Edgar Allan Poe movie. And then there's the town, which is probably the, the 60s California that Burton remembers from his childhood. I was wondering at first, I'm like, does this take place in the 60s? But it just mm-hmm. has that that vibe to it. I don't know. I wondered if he was making some sort of something about commercialism. I feel like, I don't know, just watching everybody not be really happy. It feels like, but having everything. Yeah. I think that's another, another running gag in Tim Burton's movies where if you, if you guys have seen Batman returns and not to go off on too much of a tangent, but the, the real villain of that movie is the department store owner. And I think Tim Burton does like to take jabs at commercialism especially 
with his Christmas movies. So is the real villain in this movie like Avon Beauty Products? <laughs> I, I think it's just being kind of closed-minded and ignorant. Uh, I, I think the part that really hits me is the old man when he tells Edward during a barbecue scene not to ever let anyone tell him that he's got a handicap. And then later in the movie, uh, mm-hmm. he says to Kim's brother, uh, you know, did they find him yet? That cripple? And it's like, oof, you know, it's yeah. just, yeah. I think I think Tim Burton doesn't like two faces. I, I think uh, he just likes people who they are who they are and they're they're not ashamed of it, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I, yeah, I didn't catch that. Was that the same person who said that? Or? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, definitely an older generation, man, it felt like. But mm-hmm. uh, Anthony Michael Hall's character was a real piece of shit, too. And he was younger. <laughs> yeah, I like he, how he's like, he went from like the nerdy breakfast club guy to like the jock bully in, in between movies. It's like, well, that's pretty, pretty good transition there. Yeah, it was pretty convincing. Yeah. It really was the drunk at the end. Like I loved it. I hated him, but I was like, "That's good. Yeah. That's good that I hated him. He did a good job." It's strange to see, even though I've seen this movie so many times, and I, I wouldn't change much about it. But seeing Winona Ryder play the blonde cheerleader is a, definitely an interesting choice. Yeah, she was apparently not that in her high school. <laughs> I, I could imagine. I've read. Yeah, she was bullied big time. Yeah, yeah. She seems more like appropriate for Heather's. That kind of seemed like her. Yeah, and I feel like you could almost imagine like this character would be a Lydia type from Beetlejuice if she yeah. thought if she thought maybe she'd be accepted, but in this town you just want to do what's accepted so people don't talk behind your back, you know. Yeah, no, I really feel like this whole movie is just kind of like a criticism on keeping up with the Joneses and then mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I feel like it, if you were to show this to like a kid maybe who did have a physical disability and he watched this movie, it would just be like, just be yourself sort of thing. And you're special and what you do is special for you sort of thing. And I don't know. I think it has like a, a good message. It's I like this movie. Really, it's got so much heart. And even the, the clippings in the beginning that Edward has where it's like blind boy learns to read by using his hands. I was like, God yeah, damn it's it. It's almost adapting to disabilities. Yeah. So there's a little bit of that as well. And I'm sure it wasn't easy for Tim Burton growing up in, in sunny California. I mean, no. if you you know know anything about the guy, I mean, he's just so hyper-creative. And I have a couple of his art books. I mean, the guy's just brilliant in his own way. Um, I'm sure not everyone encourages that sort of thing in a kid. Yeah. Yeah, and he's... Every one of his movies, especially the earlier ones, they're just so unique, but like also very, you can just connect with them so easily. I don't know. And I think the music does have a lot to do with them. And then obviously his set design and I don't know, the, the emotions that he gets out of actors. Johnny Depp too. This is, it's so weird. I feel like, God, Johnny Depp could have been such a different human if he didn't do Pirates of the Caribbean, I feel like. I don't know. <laughs> it's so weird to see him now compared to like up until then. I like that Tim Burton didn't do a sequel. Mm. He could have. That's true. When I was watching this for this recording, and like I said, I've seen this movie so many times, (laughs) I was trying to watch it with fresh eyes. And I was just imagining what the pitch must have been like for this movie. Oh, God. I mean, it's just so out there. And especially in this day and age where you can't even get anything made unless it's based on some kind of profitable intellectual property. I mean, 
pitching this strange horror fairy tale. I mean, I think the real kicker is when you drop that the leading man has scissors for hands. I mean, (laughs) like what? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it was honestly, it's just because of the success of Batman. It had to be, it had to be. Because that, it's just like, if you were to pitch this, be like, listen, he made, you know, Pee Wee, and, you know, that was fun, and now he wants to do a scissor movie. I'd be like, okay. But, oh, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice was really popular, too. So, yeah. that was probably, yeah, it's like, hey, look, look what I, I can do another weird movie like Beetlejuice, but, hey, I can also make you a big uh, blockbuster movie, too, so, kind of let me do my thing. Yeah, and he's like, I got two people coming in, too. I got Vincent Price, and I have Johnny Depp. Well, Johnny Depp uh, wasn't a big deal. I don't feel he like was, he was a hard throw back then because of Twenty One Jump Street. I think he, he was like he was a known person at that time. That's true. I don't think that would have worked in his favor though, especially back then. I I feel like TV actors were really looked down upon. It's so much different today, but uh, I would imagine he wasn't a big selling point to the to the suits. Yeah, I feel but, like knowing a writer probably would have been a little bit more of an yeah. appeal, and then. The mom too, Diane. Is it Weist? She's yeah. She's in the Lost Boys. I was like, where yes. is this woman from? <laughs> I was going crazy. Yeah, I loved her. I loved her character in this. I heard uh, Gina Davis was offered the role, but she was busy doing something. Another Beetlejuice veteran. Yeah, he, yeah. He likes to he likes to keep his little company. Yeah, for sure. There were two scenes that I I laughed out loud at the lemonade scene where he drinks. Uh, <laughs> I love that. And then he throws up later. I was like, this is amazing. Alan eyes are just bloodshot. Like, oh my God. Sips up from the, the straw. Like, oh. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Alan Arkin's character, really, he had me just <laughs> laughing the whole time. He reminded me of like a, like a, just a Brooklyn guy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. mine's well, the waterbed scene. I yes. love the waterbed scene. Oh, yeah. Oh my God. And it explodes when she screams. That was so good. <laughs> Also, when like Winona Ryder comes home for that first time and sees him in the bed, and like his reaction is like, "All right, I." And, and Edward has no idea what to do. She's changing in front of him. Even he's like, "What's going through Edward's mind at that moment?" Is <laughs> like, "I'm in so much trouble." Like as soon as she sees me in every way, I, I like that that scene so much. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, and also like when he pops the bed in the beginning, it's like that would have destroyed yeah the water has gone that's done that would have destroyed i loved it yeah it would have yeah it would have water everywhere and and then the uh the lady who was smoking like the i mean she's not really cool at the end when she uh <laughs> she uses of a rape but uh yeah that like, desperate housewife kind of stereotype the character reaction with like the plumbers and everyone <laughs> jeez that's a real stereotype right there and she really seems to um fetishize his scissors like that seems like it's an extra bonus for her you know oh no yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh my god yeah what are you gonna get out of that <laughs> oh ugh. yeah i think that again that's just burton having some fun like obviously edward it, it is strange but when you uh look in the closet of these so-called normal people you find some really interesting shit you know yeah 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 two things before we wrap up i have um i went to uh, planet hollywood in orlando and there they have one of his trees that he cut up i think it's the ballerina you see in the yard at one point at one of like the barbecues and i remember seeing that I was like, oh, and i was like freaked out i got my camera and i took a picture of it it's the terrible picture i took it's like just this tree that's like really old now um it's, it's a fake tree it was never real but i just i just thought about that when i watched this i was like oh, i remember i took that really bad picture and then also, uh, beginning of the movie, small trivia plug, Nick Carter is the little blonde boy on the slip and slide from Backstreet Boys. 
random. I saw that. Random thing. It's like, what is the Backstreet Boy kid doing here? I wonder if he still gets residuals from that somehow. Probably, probably, dude. Like ten cents every couple months. Like sweet. (laughs) Well, uh, is there anything you want to say else about this movie, Joe? Is this like your favorite Burton movie? Would you say? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, It might be. I feel like his best movie is probably Ed Wood. You know, sentimental favorites, I would go back and forth between this and Batman. But I feel like it's the most Burton of those movies and maybe of all Burton movies. So, um, you know, his, his stuff, you know, it's not for everybody. But if you like his stuff, definitely check it out. Yeah, it's it really you can't really compare Tim Burton to like anybody. I mean, he's just pure imagination and really just whisks you into his world and i you i really love that it's gonna be it's gonna be a sad day when he goes hey he's not old what am i talking about he's fine he's gothic yeah all right well uh, eric what uh, what do you say spin the wheel oh uh, ghostbusters nice who, who are you going to call Zach Simpson, because he's our guest. (laughs) Well, Joe, thank you so much, man. It's always a pleasure to have you on. So knowledgeable and passionate about these movies. Thanks for having me, guys. Anytime. And uh, have a great holiday season if I don't talk to you. For sure. Thanks, Joe. Yeah, man. Thank you. And we will see everybody next week for Ghostbusters. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.